0: Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written Word of God, without error, and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the Word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Cubitt. We're still in our Vintage Church series. The early church, that's what I mean. When I say vintage church, I, kind of, I know I kind of give you guys this this intro every time, but I want to make sure that there's people that haven't been in the room, they understand what we're doing. We're talking through the vintage church. That is specifically the early church, the first century church. And we're trying to answer a single question. Why? Do, why were they more powerful than us? Why did they demonstrate more power than we demonstrate? And in fact, that's the question we should be asking: Not why were they more powerful? Because they're not more powerful than us. There's nothing that existed in the first-century church that doesn't exist in today's church. However, we don't submit ourselves the way that we should to receive that which the early church received. I, I would love. I would. It would be an incredible thing to us for us to exhibit the power of the early church. Imagine me getting up here, just telling you about Jesus, declaring the gospel, Christ and Him crucified. In the open air, out here, say, on the square, 3,000 people hear it and come to know the Lord. That happened in one instance. And then 2,000, and then numbers were added, and then more numbers were added. And 12 people turned the world upside down. Because they walked in the power that God gave them. Can I tell you, you have that same power. You have that same ability. You have that same strength. You have that same conviction, or you should. You have access to those things. I don't know that you carry them, but you have access to those things. And so today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the vintage church and how... The vintage church was so powerful, demonstrated the power we should be demonstrating because they were a unified church. They were a unified church. They were together in all things. Chapter 4, verse 1 reads like this. Therefore I, this is Ephesians again, chapter 4, verse 1. you didn't spend a lot of time in the intro. I'm not done with the intro yet. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. I want you to stew on those words for a moment. Therefore, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, literally bound in chains for the sake of the gospel, in prison, this is a prison epistle, this is a letter that he wrote while in prison. Now that, that, that's going to weigh heavy in determining, talking about giving weight to the unity that the church should have. He was in chains, prisoner of the Lord. Implore you, I beg of you, I plead with you that you walk in a manner worthy of the calling With which you have been called. Christian. I implore you. To walk worthy. Of what you've been called. We spend a lot of time. Doing church stuff. Trying to look like church people. When we're not satisfying. Anyone except for ourselves. And certainly aren't satisfying God. We have to walk worthy of what we've been given. What have we been given? We've been given Christ Jesus. What I love about Paul's writings, I talked a little bit about this last week, is that Paul, Paul's my kind of writer. He wants to tell you the, the what to do, or the why, and then the what. The theology, and then how to live that theology out practically. Because, you know, I could have a whole boatload of theology of knowledge, of understanding. But if I don't have any application, it's just information with no purpose. I need information that turns into revelation. And so this, this verse, this chapter, beginning of chapter 4, where it says, therefore, is the hinge between those two pieces. Or chapters 1, 2, and 3 are the, this is who you are. Chapters 3, or chapters 4 starts with, therefore, act like this. The question is, who are you? I say, who are you? It's a question that I'm asking, but I don't really want to answer, but I I want you to ask yourself, who are you? You're You're in Christ Jesus. The incredible thing about chapters 1, 2, and 3 is over and over and over. You can't see it in my Bible, probably from where you are, but there's circles all in my Bible in these chapters. My pages stick together from the oil on my hands. And each one of these circles is a in Christ, through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, through Christ, in Him, in Him, in Christ, in Him, in Him, in Christ, through the blood of Christ with Christ, in Christ, in Christ. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say what Paul's saying. Chapters 1 through 3 says, this is who you belong to. Chapters 4 starts with, so start acting like it. And this is how you act like it. Walk according to, who, to your calling, according to who you are. There's an old illustration, and I think I may have used it before, but it's, it's been a while, of a soldier in Alexander the Great's army. And he acted cowardly in battle. And he was brought before Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great asked him, who are you? He said, my name is Alexander. He just happened to have the same name. Kind of stumbled through it, and murmured through it. He said, he asked him again, he goes, who are you? He said, my name is Alexander, a little bit louder. And he said, who are you? And the guy loudly declared, I am Alexander. He said, well then start acting like it or change your name. This is what Paul is telling us. If I'm in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, in Christ, in Christ, with Christ, start acting like it or change your name. You're making God look bad. You're making the rest of us look bad. So y'all know that's a whole different intro than the first service guy, second service guy. But it's pointed. It's very intentional. I need us to understand that God has called us to something that we're not capable of being by ourselves. That's why he started in chapters 1, 2, and 3 within Christ. You are who you are because of who you belong to. Start acting like it. Therefore, walk worthy of your calling. Worthy means to give weight, true weight to. Walk according to the weight of who you are. Man, that's so good. That means i got to walk according to the weight of who I am in this room, outside of this room, in the Walmart, in my workplace, when somebody cuts me off in traffic, when somebody says something crazy to me on Facebook, I have to give weight to who I belong to. Who I belong to has to have preference over who I am. This is what Paul's telling us. I I, I was going to say I need. I don't need anything from you. You need you to be in unity with one another. You need to walk according to the spirit that is in you, according to the calling that has been given to you. God blesses those who are obedient. John says so several times. I will reveal myself to those who are obedient. Walk according to your calling. But we walk disunified. The church doesn't walk according to the way we've been called to walk, which is in one spirit, one mind, one body, one God one hope one baptism one faith which are the verses four five or five and six we have all of these things all of these things available in christ jesus we have one hope that's christ jesus because we have one hope we've been given one spirit that he sent on the day of pentecost so that we can have the power to walk the way that he's called us to walk and he was sent by god who loves us so much that he sent his son jesus so that should we confess him, when we confess him, we will belong to him. That's so good. Because we have the same spirit, because we have the same hope, because we have the same God, and that God in all, through all, and with all, then we should be the same people. That verse, I think, five. Just so you know, I've just totally abandoned my outline, so y'all just going to have to deal with it. Verse 4, there is one body, that is us. We are one body because we all have the same Spirit, because we all have the same Jesus, because we all serve the same God that sent Jesus, who sent the Spirit. And around and around we go. This is the unity we've been called to. God is so good because He didn't just tell you, you have to do such and such. He said, I'm going to give you the the power and the ability to be who I've called you. Now do it. But unity is in what we know. We walk as Christians fragmented. And this is what I mean. We come into the church and we want to elevate our race over our Jesus. We want to elevate our political position over our Jesus. We want to elevate our denominational party over Jesus. When the fact of the matter is, we're all one church. Check that stuff somewhere else. Don't bring it up in here. I don't care who you belong to. I don't care what you believe. What I do care, the only thing that I care that you believe is that Christ Jesus is the only way by which you can go to heaven. That His name is the only name that can get you unified. Now walk according to that. Walk worthy of that. Give that the weight that it should give. Set all this other stuff aside because all this other stuff aside, all this other stuff doesn't matter. I love the early church because every city had a church, had a church. It's the church in Ephesus. It's the church in Philippi. It's the church in Corinth. It's the church in Sardis. The church of Philadelphia. The church, the church, the church. You want to know why it was so easy for them to be unified? Because there was a single church. Even if they met in multiple locations, they had the same drive, which was to be unified. Which means that should they leave Launch Point East, the church in Lebanon East, to go to the church in Lebanon West, because the church in Lebanon East pastor offended them, the church in Lebanon West pastor would say, get back over there. He told you the truth. You know how hard it would be to be disunified if everyone declared the same Christ and only concerned themselves with the primary thing, which is Christ Jesus and his righteousness? But you don't understand, man. We've been, I've been certain denomination my whole life. Is your denomination bigger than Jesus? Is your political affiliation bigger than your Jesus? I said this a couple months ago, and it somebody got offended by it, but it's just what it is. Jesus was not swaddled in your American flag. He was not swaddled in your denomination. You know, oh, that, that rubs me wrong, man. I, I'm, got my right wing twitching. My left wing twitching. I don't care what you got twitching as long as your heart's on fire be a unified church but he didn't just say be a unified church he said he doesn't just say therefore walk according to the weight of your calling he said let me show you what that looks like he says walk in humility uh, that we could walk in humility you know since we all belong to the same Christ we should all act like Christ you know Christ was humble? It's amazing. Philippians chapter 2. This is such familiar verses. I shouldn't have to read them to you, but I'm going to. Paul tells the Philippian church, have this attitude, have this outlook in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, I want you to do like Jesus did. And let me tell you how Jesus did. He existed in the form of God. And so he elevates him first. He said, listen, you need to act like Jesus, who is God. If God did it, then you should be willing to do it, unless anybody in here thinks their self bigger or more important than God. In which case, if you'd raise your hand, I want to talk to you. I'm going to stop service. We're going to have an eyeball-to-eyeball conversation, because you need some Jesus. And so he set the standard, God, that Jesus was God, And then he says this, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And yet we want a Lord over other people. Oh, that's good right there. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, the Holy Christ became flesh. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, comma, even death on a cross. You ever wonder why he put a comma and then ended it with even death on a cross? Because he didn't say he humbled himself to the point of death. I can humble myself to the point of falling over here having a heart attack. He humbled himself to the point of death. Yea, the worst death imaginable so that you could be in relationship with him. He humbled himself. So humble yourself, because we've just declared we're not as good as God, and if God did it, we should do it, which means we should extend grace as God extends grace. Max Lucado wrote a book. I'm not a huge Max Lucado fan as I used to be, but he wrote a book called Grace. It's the title of it, and in it, he defines grace. And This is his definition of grace, and when I read it, it blew me away, because it's the most simple and profound definition I've ever heard a God who stoops grace is a God who stoops consider the weight of that for a minute The God came down here stooped low enough in humility to pick you up so that you could be better than you ever could have been without him that's huge. And since we're not God, we should do as He did. We should do as Christ did. We're not elevated above God either. How do we walk in unity? We recognize that the people around us need our humility. They need us to be willing to stoop for them. I see people walk in the church and they're they're broken. They don't have money, or they do have money. They deal with addiction or depression, or they they just can't afford nice clothes, or they can't afford nice clothes. Whatever the case is, some people are lacking spiritually. Some people are been in the been in the faith a long time, and we see all all of these examples, and it causes these these fract fractures in our family that shouldn't exist well I sit over there my friend's got a little more money that that person doesn't have a whole lot of money doesn't dress like I dress who cares about that walk in humility perhaps if you did as Christ did extended grace and stooped low enough to help them up they'll be greater than they could have ever been without you that's the purpose of unity. When we're unified, we're greater together. We're stronger together. We're more capable together. We glorify God better together because we reflect God better, not just in humility, but in gentleness. If the world would think, if the church could just learn to be gentle with each other. I shared this a couple of, some time ago i spend probably half of my time maybe a little more separating siblings that are fighting and i mean you guys imagine how much more work we could get done for the kingdom if your pastor didn't have to worry about pulling the pulling his pulling the siblings apart all the time because they're fighting they refuse to be humble they refuse to be gentle with one another probably get a whole lot more done what is gentleness it's not weakness jesus was gentle but he certainly wasn't weak he was strong and courageous and capable and convictional. but gentleness is strong convictional capable courageous under the hand of the master he said it from the cross. Do you think I couldn't call on my dad and he wouldn't pull, have, an, have angels come here and take me off here? I'm up here because I want to be up here. If we could learn to be gentle with each other, if we could learn to be humble with one another, if we could learn to consider the weight of who we are with the proper motivation, which according to this text is love, Love is the proper motivation for all things that we do because it's the motivation that Christ had in coming to us in the first place. And then he told us, he said, love one another. It's the greatest commandment, right? It's the second greatest commandment, right? Yes, but then in another place in Scripture, he adds to it. I can't remember the address right now, but he says, love one another as I have loved you. I'm talking to church family today love one another as Christ has loved you walk in humility be gentle everything that Christ did he did because he loved us and love always sacrifices itself for the good of another you know what a unified church is incapable of the only thing it can't accomplish is offense. Somebody in him, unified with other people, can't be offended with each other. Because an offense is a product of lack of humility, lack of gentleness, or a lack of love. Well, he hurt my feelings. Are your feelings more important than his eternity? Did you take that time where you could have had where you were having your feelings hurt and use it to teach them why that isn't okay to say or okay to do? Or maybe they hurt your feelings because your feelings needed to be hurt because you were doing something that's not okay to do. But we have to make a decision not to be offended. I know I'm beating this horse to death. But it's a it's a message for right now. The vintage church was strong and powerful because it was unified. Ain't nobody coming against it. I told a story in a first service when I was in the military. I went to a bar I shouldn't have been in. You know, four or five of my buddies. And I started talking trash to this Marine and i tell you I was in the Army. Started talking trash to a Marine at another table. Marine over here got his head up. He's like, what? We worked it out, man. <laughs> and started talking trash to him. He started talking trash to me. And I was like, well, let's get it on, brother. So I stood up. He stood up. The four or five buddies I had with me stood up. I'm all right on. And then the four or five tables of dudes he had with him stood up. that's the power of family and unity and let me tell you that which would have come against the marine Corps really wished he hadn't I should give that example one because it's funny but it's a very spiritual truth too if we would learn to stand with one another when the enemy comes against us we would be undefeatable not because of who we are but because of who we belong to. So I want to end today by remembering who we belong to. I want to take communion as a family, to come together in remembrance as a family of the sacrifice that was made for us. And while I'm doing that, before I do that, I I hold a single conviction, well, several convictions, but a primary conviction about, about communion. And that is, you should never do it without an opportunity for repentance. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, says this. Oh, it's 2 Corinthians, that's why I couldn't find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this. He says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, drinks shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28, But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. Let me tell you, that's a whole other sermon. But there's one thing that I want you to pay attention to. He says before you take this communion you need to judge yourself. Make sure that you're aligning yourself with the work of Christ standing firmly rooted in who Christ is. That if there's any sin in your life, anything in your life you shouldn't have, before you take communion ask God to reveal it to you and repent of it. Many of you are sick according to what Paul says, because you took it wrongly. Why? Because the, the body of Jesus Christ was torn for your wholeness. And to not remember it properly is to misuse that torn body of Christ Jesus. But you know what that also means? That because His body was torn and we remember that tearing. This isn't just a remembrance. It's an opportunity to ask God for the health that He promises us in His Word. You know why His body was torn? By His stripes, we are healed. Healed in spirit, healed in mind, healed physically. Where are you not whole? When you judge yourself properly, before you take communion, there's an opportunity for pray for health there that I think is very significant. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer of repentance. I'm not going to lead, let me scratch that. I'm not going to lead us in a prayer of repentance. I'm going to pray my own prayer because I can't go through and examine each one of your hearts, but you can. Thank you. So let us pray together. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray. And thank you for grace. I thank you for the mercy and the compassion that caused you to want to extend grace to me. God, I know I'm I'm not perfect. I was absolutely imperfect when you found me, but you loved me anyway. God, if there's anything in me that you haven't already revealed to me, if there is a sin that's hidden from me that I don't realize I'm committing, If there's a spiritual blind spot in me by the power of your Holy Spirit can you show it to me God I'm going to assume that there is and I'm going to ask you to forgive me for whatever that sin may be God my desire is to stand whole and righteous before you garments unstained to remember that it's you not me who makes me righteous Thank you, Lord. I thank you that I can call out to you confidently and expect to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1123, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, thank you for the opportunity that we have to declare your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I ask, God, that by your Spirit, you shore up where we lack. God, that as we move closer to you, you show us our weaknesses. But God, also our strengths. Create in us a unified body that carries who you are with the full weight of what it deserves. God, I praise you for your spirit. I praise you for the sacrifice of your son Jesus. And I praise you for caring enough about me, us, to unify us underneath the shadow of your cross. We thank you, God. We love you. We serve you in Jesus' name. Amen.